the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. I hope you're having a fabulous Saturday. This is your host, Al Fadi. And um, uh, it's been really a wonderful, wonderful, um, uh, you know, series that we've been going through uh, for the last couple of weeks now. And um, the series that we focused on uh, in the past few weeks had to do with the unknown history of Islam. And now we're going through another series related to the critical uh, or textual criticism of the Quran based on historical evidence, manuscript evidence, and other evidence as well. And obviously, uh, this particular series that I'm doing is a companion to a number of video series that I did with Dr. Jay Smith, um, who's really um, uh, brought up many of these issues publicly, and we're thankful for his effort. And we encourage you also to uh, go to his own uh, video known as the Fonder Film. Fonder Film, Fonder starts with a P as in Paul, F as in Frank. Um, And... uh, uh, just, uh, you know, uh, do your own research, uh, do your homework, and hopefully you'll find our videos, uh, which has been posted on our YouTube channel, CIRA International, CIRA with a C as in Charlie, C-I-R-A International, and my interviews with him, my own commentaries on it, uh, this radio series that we're doing. I hope you find all of these resources to be valuable to you. And um, last week, we... Um, alluded to one of the earliest manuscripts that have been discovered known as the Sana'a Manuscript, and it's known as the Sana'a Palimpsest. The reason why we called it Palimpsest because it's a, a, a piece of parishment, which is about 38 of them, that has a text written uh, on it, and then it was wiped off, washed off, if you wish, and a new text was written on top of it. And uh, the lower text under the ultraviolet lighting uh, was determined to be a Quranic text, and the upper text, which is visible, also was determined to be a Quranic text. Yet uh, the lower texts have more variance when you compare it to what is known today as the standard Quran, which is the Kyrene uh, Codex or the Kyrene edition, the 1924 canon. And the upper text does have variance also with the 1924 canon, but it's still less. Uh, uh, when you compare the number of variants, which is about 70 in the lower text. And the argument also that we brought up that a number of scholars like Dr. Kurt Poen, his wife Elizabeth Poen, a couple of Muslim scholars who studied this, uh, Gudarzi, Sadiqi, uh, they all consider basically the Palimpsest to be part of a complete Quran codex uh, that is a vestige of a non-canonical Quran. And uh, they uh, believe, at least with uh, uh, Elizabeth Poen and uh, Gudarzi and Sadiqi, uh, they believe that the lower texts constitute in itself documentary evidence. 
of an uncanonical Quran. Uh, Sadiqi and Gudarzi, for instance, believe that the lower text was part of the Ibn Mas'ud Codex, one of the early scribes in the history of Islam, at least according to the traditions of Islam, uh, because it, uh, all these variants that we see in there uh, coincide uh, to, not, to some extent with the readings of Ibn Mas'ud. Uh, but uh, Elizabeth Poen actually disagrees, and the, she thinks... Um, that the uh, two layers are different stages of a process in canonization, and uh, she doesn't really think that it has any connection to Ibn Mas'ud. In other words, she disagreed that Ibn Mas'ud's reading is the family that was used to create the lower text. Now, all of this info you can find in a book uh, recently released by a scholar by the name Asma Hilali uh, uh, at the... uh, uh, the uh, Islamic Studies Department at the uh, Center uh, of the Ismaili Studies in uh, London. And uh, her book is called The Sana Palimpsest. And uh, let's see what uh, Dr. Hilali thinks, uh, her own assessment uh, concerning these two different layers. So, for instance, uh, from her own book, uh, Hilali admits that the carbon dating uh, known as the RC14, dating of two samples of the Sana perishment date between 543 to 643. Usually they have about 100 year, give or take, AD. Now, if we take the 543 date, that's a problem because the Quran didn't come into existence until 610. The Prophet of Islam wasn't even born until 570. So you cannot have a Quran that predates the Prophet. That's a problem. Okay? And... Also, the uh, another dating, it's even more problematic. It says it was from 433 to 599 AD. That's on page 20 of her book. The prophet, like I said, would have been born in 570, but uh, the traditions say he didn't receive the Quran until 610. So we do have some problems with the carbon dating already. Okay, Note that the medium halfway between, uh, known as the bell curve, of the first date... Uh, you know, basically, is 593 A.D., which is earlier than the first Quranic revelation of 610 A.D. Now, what's the significance of this? This indicates that it is quite possible, okay, it is quite possible that the Sana Palimpsest could be considered a source document for the Quran. It was already in existence, and then when the Quran was being written, it used the Sana manuscript as one of the many sources to get, take some of its references. You see, that's the significance of this dating. Note that the entire second date, which is 433 to 599, precedes not only most of Muhammad's life, which is 570 to 632, but precedes even the beginning of the Quranic revelation itself, 610. So we have definitely a problem here that our Muslim friends need to wrestle with, okay? Hilali also admits that, in page 22, admits that there there are no similarities between the lower text and the Quranic variants available to us following the Sunni as well as the Shia compilation, okay? In other words, you compare these variations of the lower text and you're not going to find really anything similar to it technically speaking, in the known canonized variant text readings by both traditions, the Sunni traditions and the Shia traditions. Now, Hilali's conclusions is as follow. 
or are as follows because there's more than one conclusion. Uh, these conclusions all fall within the classical narrative of the Islamic narrative, technically speaking. One of our conclusions is this. There are deviations. Okay, that's what she likes to call them. Deviations, as Elizabeth Poeng calls them also, or variants, as Siddiqui and Gudarzi call them. She called them variations. Hilali calls them variations. Sadiqi and Gudarzi call them variants. And Elizabeth Poeng call them deviations. Okay. Uh, 63 verses found in the lower text containing 70 variants. In 38 perishments, 63 verses contained what is known as deviations, variants, or variations. And the number of these variations is 70. It even exceeds the number of the verses themselves when compared to the 1924 canonical text that we use today known as the Cairo Canon or the Kyrene canon. Hilali also believes that the lower text was a product of a reading circle, which means that it was only for instructional purposes. And remember, I argued last week that it's impossible to take this argument seriously because that means that people were being instructed to read the wrong Quran to begin with, and then later mistakes were discovered and they were corrected. Okay, so that indicates that the oral process of transmitting the Quran until we get to the lower text in writing was not consistent, didn't have the exact same reading, okay? And then someone discovered this and made corrections to it. Another conclusion is that the upper or the later text of the Palimpsest contains variants as well, and uh, therefore both the lower and the upper text were corrected significantly, okay? So these are the things that she is trying to point to. Elizabeth Poen's own conclusions, uh, which also fall outside the classical narrative, um, it's uh, the, the uh, Hilali's uh, conclusion fall within the classical narrative. Uh, Poen's uh, conclusion fall outside the classical narrative. She stated that the lower text is neither Othmanic, meaning it does not match the so-called the Othmanic text, nor from Ibn Mas'ud Codex, okay? So she concludes that the lower text was in the process of being corrected and made more precisely canonical, okay? Thus, the two layers were stages in process of canonization. So you look at the process of the canonization according to Elizabeth Poen, and she's saying these are the lower layer and the upper layer are part of a very early stages of the canonization of the Quran. What is... What is she trying to say? The Quran was not fixed document, was a fluid document going through a process of canonization, which technically flies against the face of what we call the perfect narrative of the Quran. She suggests also that the corrections predate the upper text, okay? And were so many that at some stage, the corrector abandoned the corrections altogether, washed them off, and just started from scratch. So it appears in her mind that someone was trying to make corrections first, but then they discovered that there is so, so much of them that really it's worthless now to make these corrections. Let's just wash it off and start from scratch. And that's where we got the palimpsest, basically, um, as a result of this. Let's also do some comparisons here. 
between the lower upper textual differences as compared uh, to the 1924 Kyrene, which is based on what we know today as the Hoff's reading. There's a number of surviving readings, uh, 10 to be exact, 10 variant text readings. One of them is a very prominent one known as the Hoff's reading, utilized in the Middle East, the majority part of the Middle East. And if we uh, take the text that is found in the lower text and also in the upper text, and we compare it to the Kyrene edition, we discover a number of differences. Remember, there were 63 verses that contain 70 variants, uh, verb and noun variants about 25 times, article differences, participle differences, conjunction differences, proposition differences, isolated letters 29 times, expression differences, entire sentences 16 times, meaning an entire sentence was either there or not there. Note some overlap within the same verses. Let's look, of course, at some of these examples. Sentences that are different expressions, sentences basically that are different, expressions that are different, verbs that are different, noun which are different, propositions that are different, all of these differences. Let's take a look at some of these examples. For instance, in the Sana Palimpsest, when you look at chapter 2, verse 88, chapter 2, verse 88. We read the following. And they said, our hearts are wrapped, but in fact, Allah has cursed them for their injustice. So little is it that they believe. Okay. So God basically cursed them because of their injustices. If you look at the same verse in today's Quran, the 1924, it says, he Cursed them for their unbelief, not for their injustice. Big difference between somebody who's acting unjustly versus someone who is in a state of unbelief. Okay? In chapter 8, verse 74, we read, But those who have believed and immigrated, and they did jihad, struggle, in the name of Allah, with their money and their themselves, and those who gave shelter, and aided, it is they who are the believers, truly. For them is forgiveness and noble provision. That's how the Sana reads. Meaning, this is the class of the believers who really sacrifice everything, their possessions and their body, their self, their life, technically speaking. Yet today's Quran, the 1924 Quran, reads it, those who did jihad in the name of Allah and those who gave shelter and aided. There is no mention here of their money or themselves. So there is a change in the theology, technically speaking. In chapter 9, verse 2, the palimpsest read, So travel freely, O disbelievers, throughout the land during four months, but know that they do not escape Allah and his prophet, and that Allah will disgrace the disbelievers. In today's Quran, the word his prophet was removed. So they will not, basically it says, but know that you cannot escape Allah 
another change in theology. In other words, someone decided that, you know, the prophet is dead now, so you cannot say that they cannot escape the prophet, because in this case, you're going to make the prophet to be like God. The prophet is omnipresent, the prophet is omnipotent, and so on and so forth. So let's change it and fix it and say you cannot escape Allah. Okay, that's basically the intent here. Then you get to another one. Uh, this one is chapter 9, the same chapter we just looked at, except verse 9. In the Son of Palimpsest, it reads as follows. They have exchanged the signs of Allah and their oath. They made an exchange, basically traded the signs of Allah and their own oath for a small price and averted people from the way of Allah, distracted people from the way of Allah, uh, basically caused people to stumble from the way of Allah. That's in the Sana manuscript. In today's Quran 1924, it doesn't read this way. It reads that they have exchanged the signs of Allah for a small price. It didn't say, and their oath. So there is no oath included here. Okay? And it didn't say from the way of Allah, as we read in the Sana, it says from his way, The basically the Proposition is in reference to Allah, technically speaking, or uh, maybe a reference to somebody else. Chapter 9, verse 13. Chapter 9, verse 13, reads as follows. In the Sana manuscript, it reads, And why don't you fight a people? Why don't you fight a people who broke their oath? And they were the first to start aggression and they intended to drive out the prophet. Okay? Yet when we get to the 1924, it reads differently. Instead of saying, and why don't you? It's saying, will you not fight? Okay? In other words, now, this is an invocation. Okay? Not a question. Not a rhetorical question. It's an invocation. Will you not fight the people who broke their oath and... They intended to drive out the people. Not they were the first to start. No, they intended. They have an intention only to drive you out. And they were the first to start aggression. Okay, so the the language reversed. The structure of the sentence was changed. Therefore, you wonder which way it was revealed. You see, here's why I'm, I'm sharing these things with you. Muslims think it was revealed in a perfect manner. And as a result of this, what we have today is exactly how it is in heaven and exactly how it was revealed to the prophet of Islam. If that's the case, gee, so which way was it revealed? Uh, by stating that they were the first to start aggression or by starting they intended to drive out and they were the first to try start aggression? Was it this way or that way? That's why we are focusing on those particular variances. Chapter 9 Verse 17, another example. In a Sana manuscript, it says, It is not for the polytheists to maintain the mosques of Allah while witnessing against themselves with disbelief. For these are those who deeds fell in this world and the next. In today's Quran, the 1924, it says, For those, their deeds fell worthless. Okay? Now, it's talking about the deeds altogether here. It didn't say the deeds in this life and the life to come. Technically speaking, a change in theology here. Okay? So you're doomed here no matter what, technically. Uh, so there is no hope for you to ask for forgiveness. In chapter 9, verse 18, it says, 
the mosques of Allah are only to be maintained by those who believe in Allah and the last day. And he did jihad in the name of Allah and did not fear anyone but Allah. In other words, these mosques belong to those people who including in their actions and deeds basically an act of jihad. In today's Quran 1924, doesn't talk about jihad anymore, talked about those who perform prayer and give alms. Big difference. One, mandatory to fight. Now, it is only required of you just to pray and give alms. Definitely a huge problem. Chapter 9, verse 80. The Sana Palimpsis read, Ask forgiveness for them, O Muhammad, or do not ask forgiveness for them. If you should ask forgiveness for them 70 times, Allah does not forgive them. Indeed, Allah does not guide the defiantly disobedient people. That's how it read back in the days of the first text around 705 AD, give or take. Today's Quran, the 1924 Quran, reads, Allah will not forgive them, okay, because they disbelieved in Allah and his prophet, and Allah does not guide so now we added the word prophet here as a condition for why God is not going to forgive them. In the early reading, the word prophet wasn't part of the equation that was used. OU, uh, chapter 24, verse 27 in the Son of uh, Palimpsest reads, O you who have believed, do not enter houses other than your own houses until you seek welcome. That is best for you, perhaps you will be reminded. Today's Quran 1924 says, uh, you know, do not enter houses, uh, it's saying do not enter houses other than your own houses until you seek welcome and greet those in them. So not only you are welcomed in, but you have to greet now. So obviously if you didn't greet, uh, there is a sin being committed because you're commanded now to greet before you weren't commanded to greet. That indicates that the Islamic greeting was an, a later addition, technically speaking. That's another case you can make here. Then uh, uh, chapter uh, basically 24, verse 28, it reads in the Sana Palimpsest, And if you find no one therein, do not enter them until permission has been given you. And if it is said to you, go back, then go back, for it is good for you. Indeed, Allah is knowing of all or of what you do. Okay? In today's Quran, 1924 says, then go back, for it is purer for you. So the word purer instead of the word good for you. Okay? Uh, there's a different theological meaning here between the two words, basically in the Arabic. And Allah is knowing of what you do. So we have some theological issues. One, in the early one, it says, خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ Better for you. This one, it says, أَزْكَى لَكُمْ Why أَزْكَى? Meaning, it makes you sinless. The other one, it's good to do, even though if you're sinful. Okay, so that's what I mean by that. Uh, when we look at the upper text variances, we also have a number of those. And um, uh, for instance, in chapter 6, verse 63 of the Quran, uh, it has a list of those. Uh, uh, it says, you rescued us 
But in today's crime, it says he rescued us. Who rescued us? We don't know. I'm going to hold off uh, on going through the upper text variants until uh, next time. Uh, however, we thank you again for being part of our ministry. And we encourage you to go to our website, sierrainternational.com, Sierra with a C as in Charlie. You can listen to this archived uh, uh, radio uh, shows in there. You can go to our website and you can go also to our YouTube channel, Sierra International. We encourage you to subscribe to it to receive notifications of any new releases of videos and radio. And at the same time, we encourage you to become a Patreon patron and even support us if the Lord puts it in your heart financially with as little as $1. We thank you again for your partnership. And we have some exciting shows coming up. Uh, We will be interviewing also uh, other experts in the field of apologetics. So stay tuned. Until we meet again, have a blessed day. And may the Lord richly bless you. And may your days be filled with peace and joy. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.